to Israel. How cool is that? Look at some say, how cool is that? It is the desire and the intention of this house to take as many that want to go 2015. Uh, we're going to Israel. Ironically, Israel, again, is about half the size of the state of Georgia, half the size of the state of Georgia geographically, but yet every day it's in the news media. And I will tell you today the news media is not painting a clear, accurate picture for years. The news media has not painted a clear, accurate picture. But Israel is defending her borders, which we really need to be doing. I'm here to tell you that in the past several months, many terrorists have come into our country by way of El Paso, Tijuana, San Diego, the, the south the border is, is, is wide open. Thousands have entered. Many, I believe, are covert terrorists that come to do our country harm and damage. And if we've ever needed to pray for God to wake up our leadership, this is the time for our leadership to wake up. This is not a bluff. This is a scary, scary, scary season that we are encountering. The Bible says, in the last days, they shall say peace and safety, then shall sudden destruction come upon them. But we have proved any time a country has aimed any missiles at us, Mr. Kennedy with the Cuban crisis, we have aimed missiles in retaliation. We have the right to defend ourselves. Israel has every right to defend herself, and we better continue to support her because the Bible says the nations that turn their back on Israel, God will turn his back on them. That's a scary day not to have the favor and the blessing of the Lord upon our life every single day. Very um, popular passages of Scripture uh, probably use many, many themes and many, many messages and many, many conferences. This theme has been used, and we're going to look at it. It's a, great, it's a great thought in the direction that I want to go today. My, my word today or title, those that need a title for podcast, is entitled, How to Build a Rock, How to Build a a rock. And many of you know that I was not here last week. I was gone Wednesday. Received a phone call from a lifelong friend, a friend of over 30 years that used to travel with Ron and I and sing before we ministered. Incredible vocalist, later a great minister. Uh, the Lord opened the door for him to go to Universal Studios, and there he began to build a, uh, a, a facade, a rock facade out of styrofoam and has fooled many people with his artistic ability, incredible artist. He has done work at Dollywood. He's done work at Universal Studios. Uh, he's done work for several Hummer, Jeep, Chevy dealerships. Uh, a few months ago, many of you remember he was here with us. He had encountered a stroke and lost about all of the left side of his body. A door opened for him to build a display rock in Bowling Green, Kentucky that... Uh, the dealership there wanted to show off their four-wheel drive Titan, and so he called and he said, would you assist me in a, in a week or so? Would you assist me and would you help me build a rock? I reminded him that I will be 60 on October 28th. Please remember that date. That's a very important date. Next to Christmas and Easter, probably the most important date in your life, October 28th. I will turn 60. I remind you that I flipped a four-wheeler 15 years ago. I have two crushed vertebrae in my back. Twelve years ago, I fell out of a tree and broke both my wrists and three of my ribs. I said, I don't know that I would really be a great deal of service to you. 
He said, I'll take care of all your motels, all your meals, all your gas, and pay you $30 an hour. I said, when do I need to be there? So I left Tuesday evening, got into Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, was there the entire week. We did not work Saturday or Sunday. Saturday I went to prison to visit with Pastor John. Please be in prayer. He's actually uh, coming up for parole, the ability to be paroled, and we, we believe in God's favor. We're really wanting that to happen. Very discouraged, very disheartened, but we, we had a great visit. It was a great uh, time of just letting him talk and vent. And uh, he encouraged me. His testimony encouraged me. I spent the day Saturday with him, then went to an incredible church Sunday there in Bowling Green that I'll be going later, I believe, in March to minister a great congregation. Got home Friday evening about 6 o'clock and uh, was, was pleased this morning. It was, a, it was a, I don't know, it was almost like a, a battle cry this morning or it, was, or it was a token this morning. It was a joy during the tithe and offering to put a chunk of money in the offering for the kingdom of God. That is such a, that's such a good feeling. I've not been able to do that for a while because financially I've not been speaking and getting any honorariums. And you know, Rhonda ties um, what we receive. But as far as me actually adding the kingdom of God, I felt really good today. It really was a good feeling. And I hope it made the devil mad. I hope it made him scared. And uh, I have told Al that for $40 an hour, now that I know how to do it, I'm worth a little bit more that I will help him build his next rock. I want to talk this morning a little bit about how to build a rock. First of all, if you'll allow me to entertain you, I want to show you the finished product of this rock that took us eight days to build 14 tons of concrete, layers and layers and layers of paint, steel, rebar, dirt. And you're looking at a 2014 Predator that's actually a Chevy Silverado, it's about a $55,000 truck. There's a Jeep to the left and a Titan uh, Nissan's four-wheel drive to the right. But this is what uh, we accomplished in eight days' time. Just two of us, both of us, him over 60, me approaching 60. So who said old men can't complete anything or handle it? Everything you see was hand-delivered, hand-laid, hand-painted. And uh, so this morning I want to talk about how to build a rock. And I'm reminded of the, the Chevy uh, logo, like a rock. I'm reminded of Queen, we will rock you. I'm reminded of the Stones. I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it. All the, all the themes and, and, and thoughts we could use for a rock today. But if you don't mind, rather than taking the secular music or the secular media, I want to share a passage of Scripture from the Word of God in Luke 16, verse 13. Robbie, I've had the privilege of being at Caesarea Philippi. Uh, Marcus actually preached that day that we were there, a great word. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, <coughs> or, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, also, I will say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Verse 19 
And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Incredible, phenomenal passage of Scripture where the guys have watched Jesus raise the dead, feed the multitude, heal the blind, restore the leper, and they're just sitting around just visiting, just chilling out. And Jesus asked them, what are people saying about me? And they shared what they had heard. And they said, but who do you think that I am? Of course, watching the miracles, listening to the teaching, they've come to the conclusion. And Simon, hearing a nudge from the Holy Spirit, said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus immediately says, Simon, you didn't receive this by human knowledge or comprehension, but my Father has revealed this to you. And Jesus actually changes the name of Simon, which means hearer of the word, to Peter, which means a part of the rock, a part of the rock. And he said, I say that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The rock that Jesus was talking about was the revelation that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Very important word there, the word build. I like the word build. Upon this rock I will build my church. Later, we're going to visit this again and realize that when you realize who Jesus is in your life and you acknowledge him as not just the savior of your soul, but the Lord of your life, there are gifts given unto you. There's the fivefold gift, the apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. We are gifts from God given to you to edify you, to equip you, to, to prepare you, to enable you. A gift that is given when you accept Christ as your savior are two keys to the kingdom. I've taught for years and years. There are five keys to the kingdom. These are two. The power of binding is the power of prayer, and the power of loosening is the power of praise and worship. And those are two things that makes up the kingdom of God. All the way through Scripture, we are encouraged to pray. The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And if ever prophetically there was a season that the church needs to return to prayer and expect a healing to come to their nation, it is this generation. I learned past week that every year 17,000 addicts overdose. I also learned that every year there are 40,000 suicides a day. And 80% of them are drug-related overdose. I just learned from Fox News that the medical marvels have created a new drug. It doesn't have any more, it doesn't have any more healing or any more attributes as OxyContin or Hydro, but it's more powerful, it's more addictive, and it's been loosed in America as, as far as Monday. A new drug, an, another drug to get hooked on, another, another drug to ruin and destroy lives. We are certainly living in the generation that desperately needs revival and desperately needs people to turn back to God, and that's the power of prayer. And you know, when we gather together in the house of God, there's always a atmosphere of worship and praise that we gather. We, we dedicate 30 to 45 minutes a day, <coughs> a Sunday, to praise and worship God. And hopefully during the week that you set aside time to listen to a CD or you set aside time to hum a song, you set aside time to have a song in your heart. I like what Sid though Baxter said. He said, rarely do I pray an hour a day, but every hour I'm praying. 
that, that every hour of the day that somehow there'll be some kind of focus turned towards God. And whatever you've got to do, if you've got to tape something on your refrigerator, if you're going to put something on the dash of your car, if you put it on your mirror that you visit several times a day because you keep forgetting what you look like, and if you just post something about just reminding you to pray, reminding you to praise God. But I like the statement that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. There were four phases this past week concerning how to build a rock. And when I arrived in Bowling Green, Kentucky, I was, I was uh, this is what I saw when I came to Bowling Green, Kentucky. A pile of dirt. Look at somebody and say, a pile of dirt. If you'll go with me to Matthew, the 13th chapter, just turn back a couple of pages. Matthew 13, verse 3. Of the four Gospels, there are three references of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all refer to the sower. All three Gospels pretty much tell the very same story. And I want to share that story today about the sower. Matthew 13 and 3, and I'll read uh, through verse 8. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, anytime you find the word behold, that's always a revelation. Revelation is simply information turned into revelation. He spake many things in a parable, saying, Behold, we're going to get some information, okay? Then there's going to be a revelation. A sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell into good ground, say that with me, and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. This is a nudge again from the Holy Spirit saying, there's something important about this passage that you need to grasp and you need to realize. God is giving us a formula how to build a rock. And to build this rock, the Bible says that even, Tanner, the gates of hell shall not be able to prevail against it. This is a very offensive term, that we are not defense, but we are offense. See, the gates of the city is the weakest part of the city. You never hear anybody crashing into the walls because the walls are thick, they're impenetrable, but the gates, if the gates are weak, the city can be conquered. You remember the story of Samson where he carried the gates of the city over a mile. The gates probably weighed several hundred pounds, but he had that, that Herculean strength that God had given him that was connected to the vow that he had made to God. So the Word of God is telling us, I'm going to give you something that you're going to have the ability to crash the devil's party, that you're going to have the ability to take back what the devil has stolen. I'm going to give you the ability like an enforcement officer to kick down the door of the devil's house, bind him, and to go take back what he has stolen, some 60, some 30, some 100-fold, but everybody at least a seven-fold. Look at somebody and say, I could use a seven-fold blessing. I could, I could take some things back. The enemy has stolen. That belongs to me. And that's what the Lord is trying to share with Peter. I'm going to give you a revelation. I'm going to give you information that you're going to turn into revelation. And you're going to have the ability to actually storm the very gates of hell. 
We know the devil is a liar. We know the devil is a thief. We know that he has bound many. First Peter says, even at, at his will, there are those that he have tormented, those that he have bound. But aren't you glad that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? I was listening uh, this morning to the radio and the preacher was saying something about somebody getting mad, mad at their church that, that uh, the church was full of hypocrites, the church was full of this and full of that, and they were just going to stay home, read their Bible, and pray. Listen, you're accomplishing absolutely nothing, and I mean, it's good to stay home and read your Bible and pray, but you're actually accomplishing absolutely nothing in the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is built with unity, authority, and agreement. And where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst of them. God did not call you to stay home, read your Bible, I love Christian television, but Christian television should never replace the part of an actual congregation that you're a part of. That every week we learn the needs of, the, of, our, of our congregation and we pray. Every week we learn about financial challenge. We learn about uh, physical challenges. If they, need, if they need food, if they need their electric bill. That's what the church is all about. To be a light in a dark place. To be salt that would make people thirsty, that we would have the ability to direct others towards the cross because our testimony, that's where we first saw the light. Do I have a friend in the house this morning at the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. Don't you love those old hymnals of the church that the, the entire gospel of the Bible is in the first three verses and we have that promise today that when you've been to the cross there is victory, there's restoration and there is healing. To build a rock you have to start with dirt and it can't just be any old dirt. It's got to be dirt that is pliable. It's got to be dirt that is usable. It's got to be dirt that has the ability to sustain pressure. When I got there Wednesday morning, I was given the keys to a bobcat. And there I proceeded to, who said, uh-oh, Donnie? And there I proceeded. I didn't whack anything. I didn't hurt anybody. It was a, it was a, a very interesting, I had someone ask me, said, can you drive this? I can drive anything. And really through the years, if someone would leave me the keys and then turn away and not watch me for a while, let me work it out on my own, I can pretty much, most of you don't know that from the road to the, to the power pole down there, there's a ditch. It's about 10 foot deep and it's as crooked as a snake, but I dug it. One of our contractors left a piece of equipment, showed me how to do a couple things, and from then, from then in, I was, I was on my own. I said, I can drive that puppy. I almost turned it over twice, but I did not turn it over. But what I built was I built a ramp. I built the ramp seven foot high, 30 foot long, 30 foot wide. That was the dimensions of this rock that we were building. And this dirt was a dirt that allowed me to compact it. When I think, when I think about soil or I think about dirt, I look at, and when you look at Matthew 13 and you look at the promises of God, the second phase of this rock that after we beat this dirt into submission, the second aspect of building this rock is that it's important to have a good foundation. If you will pull up my second picture this rock had nine times, we, we put steel in it, we put metal in it, we put rebar in it, we put mesh in it, and then we poured nine yards of concrete, then we came back and did four more yards of concrete. So about 14 tons of concrete created this rock. When I think about the foundation, I think about, again, when Jesus said, upon this revelation, 
I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. I think about the foundational tools that God has given us. And those are the tools of prayer and praise. We have that ability. And Jesus said, when you pray, do it daily. It's not just something that we do over the meal. And if you say the very same prayer over your meal every single time you pray, it might just be a challenge to say something new. Quit saying God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. Be original. Be spontaneous. Talk to him like you would talk to your best friend on Facebook. There's some really interesting conversations going on in Facebook right now. But, 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 but that, that ability to go to him at any time of day, any day of the week, any week of the month, any month of the year, that we are not barred, we're not denied, but we have access. The Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace in the time of need that we may obtain help through Jesus Christ. We have that. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a not, not necessarily a debit card, but it's like an access card. A door is locked to us. We have access that we can knock on that door through prayer, and that door will be open. I have watched, they are not here today, but I have watched, we have some, some friends of mine that I'm, I've been ministering to, they've been doing repairs on our automobiles for quite a while. I've been, I've been ministering to them, just going around, hanging around, and they've, they've been coming, they've been coming on Sundays. And two weeks ago, one of them that was coming, his name is Hot Rod, and uh, he's, he's, uh, he's had a lot of fast cars. He's got a Hot Rod Mustang, a Hot Rod truck, that's why they call him Hot Rod, because he loves doing stuff like that. He buys them, fix them, sell them. But uh, about three weeks ago, he came to me and said, listen, I don't want you to embarrass me, but I want you to pray for me. There's something wrong with my body, and I believe I have cancer. I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, and we're going to, they're going to take some of, they're going to take some of my, my colon, and they're going to see if it has cancer, because I don't feel very good. I really think that I have cancer. And so, you know what? I said, you know, Hot Rod, maybe you do have cancer. That's simply a fact. Simply, facts change. Truth does not. Truth says that we can come boldly to the throne of God in time of trouble and we can receive a miracle. So right there, we were in the shop right there. He has a belly like me. I put my hand right on his belly and I commanded his body to come in line with the word of God. Because the word of God says, by his stripes, we are healed. Went to Knoxville, had the bumps. He told me that he wasn't going to know till Tuesday or Wednesday. They were all here Sunday and uh, Tuesday about 10 or 11 o'clock. I got a phone call, and it was hot run. and said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. He said, but I am cancer-free. I am, I am cancer-free. I don't, I don't, I was wanting him to be here today to tell the story for himself. But there is power when two or three agree touching anything, something begins to happen. It's the power of binding. We have the we have the ability to bind the enemy. We have the ability to constrict the enemy. We have the ability to limit the enemy. The enemy can only move where he's given authority and power. And if you're not walking where he's walking and listening where he's listening and talking where he's talking and hanging around people that are encouraging you and building you up in the Lord, the enemy has no room. Jesus said it. The devil has no place for me. There's no, there's no room. There's nothing in my life that gives him access. And sometimes as we ponder some of our habits, some of the things that we do, sometimes there are things that we can do that can open the door for the enemy to, to come in. I remember several years ago, I was in a boat uh, that ran 97 miles an hour. And let me tell you something, on the water, that is a scary, scary, scary speed. And I told, the, actually it was a pastor friend of mine, I told him, I said, I want you to take me to the dock and drop me off. He said, why, what's wrong? I said, 
you're going to kill us. He said, no, the Holy Ghost rides in our boat. I said, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is going to kill us. And when I get to heaven, I don't want to tell God that a fool killed me, that I died in some stupid, <laughs> hello, hello. But anybody there, anybody there feel me? That the, the second key, the second foundation, when I think of steel, I think of rebar, and I think of mesh, the second thing I think about, I think of the power of praise. Without exception, every single Old Testament battle, God would send the singers and the dancers and the instruments to lead the army in, in praise and worship. And many battles, the soldiers never got to draw their sword. They never got to pull their bow back. They never got to launch their lance because God did it in the praise and worship. And what happened you know, in this generation, we have a tough time getting people to join the choir. But in that generation, all the warriors wanted to join the choir because that's where all the action was. The front line was the praisers and the worshipers. Battle after battle after battle. I'm walking a mom through some real tough times right now, real scary divorce, real, just a real, real, real tough time, a marriage of, of 26 years. And I've been trying to encourage her. Brother Keith, every time you, you send me a scripture, I immediately front it onto her. And it's amazing how this past week, just everything has just fallen into place to help her and encourage her. But I, she called the uh, day before yesterday and said, hey, I'm, I'm, just really, I'm just really at a tough place right now. I said, let me tell you something I just read in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles 20, 20, and that's what we call 2020 vision in the church. Believe also the Lord, so, you, so shall you be established. Believe also his prophets, so shall you prosper. Well, this generation was not looking for prosperity. Their lives were threatened. Jehoshaphat was leading an army to battle, and he finds that there's an army in the west, there's an army in the north. Then all of a sudden he learns that there's an army behind him. Three armies were coming to, to capture Jehoshaphat. In those days, they didn't take prisoners. They murdered everybody on the field. So these, these, these soldiers weren't concerned about prosperity. They were concerned about survival. Isn't it ironic God always wants to take us to a place that we're not ready to go to? Isn't it ironic that God has already lived our tomorrow and told us everything's going to be okay? Isn't it ironic that every time we go through a problem or a battle, God always seems to turn to work it out for our good and to bless us in areas that we, we never expected it and we realize this would have never happened if this hadn't taken place? And Jerry, I, pro I, I prophesy over you that you're going to a good job. Jerry, Jerry quit working for a company, didn't have insurance on the truck. He quit working, looking for a job. I believe it's going to be a better job. You never would have quit that job, but now God can promote you into a better job. God just has a way of taking, of taking our trash and turning it into a triumph. Do I have a friend in the building? How many times God has taken stuff we've messed up and turned around and turned it very good? I think about that foundational steal of praise and worship. When, when Jehoshaphat got ready to go to battle early that morning, look at someone say early, early that morning, the praise and worship leader began to prophesy and he began to declare some things and he began to ask God questions. And this is what I shared with this, this, this mom that called me uh, Wednesday. I said, this, this praise and worship leader asked God questions that could only be answered in the affirmative. How many can respond? God are you not the God that brought them out of Egypt into the land of promise? Yes. God, are you not the God that parted the Red Sea and destroyed the armies of Pharaoh? Yes. God, are you not the God that tore down the walls of Jericho and allowed your people to prosper? Yes. 
God, are you not the God that provided the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day to protect manna and quail? Yes. And so this praise and worship leader learned if we're going to ask God questions, let's ask him questions that have to be answered in the affirmative. And then the praise and worship leader said, by the way, Lord, here we are in a tough place. We really need help. Are you going to help us? Well, God's already said yes six times. He's not going to say no. Hello, when I was in, when I was in Korea, very, very, very funny story. I went to Korea, and uh, there were four of us in Korea that particular season. And one Sunday morning, I was the youngest of the four. Uh, one, two of the ministers have been ministering 30 years. Another been ministering 15 years. I've been ministering about three months. I only hold about, I had about eight revivals. Went to Korea to preach there in the, the Presbyterian church. It ran about 8,000. I was about this high, a big heavy robe. I couldn't lift my hands because the robe was so, so heavy. But what was so funny that morning, I preached to the largest congregation and got the biggest offering. Pastor Todd, I was so pleased with that. But the next day, we honored these doctors. They'd all written books, and we were honoring their, their doctorate. And uh, I was the only one on the platform. I don't have, have my bachelor's degree, and here I am honoring these doctors, all the hard work they've done. But I remember there was a Korean pastor that was addressing the, the, the congregation, and he said, you know, in America... When you read the Bible, you read it from left to right. You read it from left to right. But here in Korea, when we read the Bible, we read it up and down, up and down. In other words, we get more guesses than you get because you're doing this and we Koreans are doing this. And I thought, what a great attitude. What a great, of course, he was smaller than me. I wanted to go over and slap him, but I didn't. But what a, what a great attitude. Don't, don't, don't. Approach God doing this. Approach God doing this. The promises of God are yea and amen through Christ Jesus. And that's our power to bind. Say this with me. Prayer binds the enemy. Praise loses God's power. Prayer binds the enemy. Praise loses God's power. And that's that foundational steel. The third thing that I want to bring to your attention is that after we poured nine yards of concrete, then we came back and we pumped five yards of concrete. After we got done pouring and pumping, my next picture, if you'll, if you'll show it for me. We painted the entire rock white. And I don't know, there, there was just something about that. First Peter 1 and 18, for as much as you know, as you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold received from the vein of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as the lamb without blemish and without spot. When I thought, of, when I thought about, you know, just, just being that, that dirt that's pliable, that's, that's, that's everything God wants it to be, and then letting that dirt be compacted and formed into a ramp, and then I think about that foundational steel, learning the abilities of praise and worship, and then I think about that concrete, that the, the, the solidity, the, the, permanent, the permanence of concrete. If you've never jack, jackhammered concrete, I promise you, you'd rather jackhammer asphalt than you would concrete. Because when you pour concrete, it's there and it's tough to get rid of. Do I have a friend that tried to redo a driveway or ever messed with concrete? It's tough to mess with. And then when we, after we formed that rock and poured that rock, then we painted the rock completely white. And it so much reminds me of that lamb, that lamb that was taken to the priest and its blood was shed and the sins of the family was forgiven. But at Calvary, when the lamb from the foundation of the world said, it is finished, 
God rent the veil from the top to the bottom where a priest could go once a year. We can go once a day, twice a day, seven times a day, 70 times a day, 70 times seven a day. There's no limited access to the presence and the power of God because of the blood of Jesus. Look at somebody and say, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me white again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't know how the, the, the red blood washes the purple heart and makes it white as snow. I don't know how God does that, but aren't you glad that there's a day coming when he's going to be riding a white horse and we're going to be riding a white horse with him and we're going to be clothed in white linen and we're going to rule and reign forever. It's not because of our merit. It's not because of how much we give to the church, but it's because of the blood of Jesus. And there is a fountain filled with blood. Let me tell you something. I, wasn't, I was going to wait till Wednesday night, but years and years and years ago, I was with Marcus Lamb and heard him tell a story. And the story was about a Church of God boy that grew up in the church, grew up in the youth group, loved the Lord, was, had, had, had his own devotions, his own journals, served the Lord, graduated from high school, went to college. Going to a humanistic sector college, he immediately bumped into a lot of theories and theorems that he didn't necessarily agree with. One day, this college had a special agnostic speaker and the entire school body was there in this auditorium listening to this speaker. This speaker was atheist. He believed in evolution, didn't believe there was a God, didn't believe there was any merit to the cross. And he actually made the statement, there are some in this audience that you, you believe that you can be saved and there's power in the blood of Jesus. I'm here to tell you there's no more power in the blood of Jesus than there is in that water in that drinking fountain outside in the hallway. That kid sitting there, before he knew what he was doing, he was standing and at the top of his lungs, he was singing, there is a fountain filled with blood run from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. By the time he got to the chorus, lose all their guilty stains. There were hundreds of college students standing and singing with them. That agnostic speaker got so flustered, he shut his book, he left the pulpit, he sat down, he was speechless because there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is power, and we thank God for that blood. When I think about that transition, if you'll, if you'll go with me to, you know, I, I won't go to First Peter. Let's just go ahead and go to Jeremiah. And incidentally, Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. Man, I want to preach that page so bad, but I'm on a mission this morning. I'm hungry. I didn't eat breakfast. Kids aren't here, so Pastor Ron and I are going to Outback, so I am, I am hungry. Jeremiah 18. In this house, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. If you will, if you'll put your finger at Jeremiah 18, and then we're going to go right as quickly as we can to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. Second Timothy is right before Titus, somewhere in this King James Bible. 
Patrick Todd, if you really love him, you'd have found it for him and had it there waiting for him. Directly after Hebrews. Somebody has taken 2 Timothy from my Bible, Pastor Rondo. Okay, I got it. Where did I say 2 Timothy 2? If you go to 2 Timothy 2, and then you are at Jeremiah 18. Okay, let's go to, let's go to Jeremiah 18. Keep looking at your friend and give me a break. Thank you. Verse 2. Arise and go down. Almost an oxymoron. Arise and go down. The potter's wheel is always a place of humility where humility meets humanity and we realize how fragile we really are. Jerry, we really don't realize how fragile we are until something happens and how quickly we seem to lose our religion and manifest something. Do you have a friend in the house? I mean, there are times when you just feel like things are hunky-dory, peachy cream with you and God, and then somebody will cut you off. And there's this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. High transition, and you want to chase them down, and you want to let them know that they're number one. And they always let you know that you're number one. So you're both waving your hand, and then a couple minutes later you feel terrible. It's like, I'm not just a Christian. I'm not just a child of God. I'm a pastor. Hello. Am I talking about the I'm a, what, what, where in the world did that come from? So deep down, there's some places in my life I don't like. And there have been times in my life when I have felt like I couldn't take anymore. We have a joke around the, the guy's household, and it has to do with counseling. And there was a season when I spent six to eight, six to eight hours a day. One counsel, one after another, after another, after another, after another. And around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I just wanted to go and open up a window, Robbie, stick my head out the window and shout, I can't take it no more. Can anybody relate? That, that clay that was in the hands of the potter, in the will of God, in the purpose of God, got wounded. I think that we are, I think that we are going to learn that in this movie, God's Not Dead. The, I'm not seeing the movie. So I won't spoil it. I'm just going to speak maybe, maybe. that I, I believe that somehow the professor must have been horrifically wounded or hurt or betrayed or abandoned. I'll be careful what I say because we are a podcast, but I have connected with a special person in my life that he does not believe in God. And he's a doctor. He has two doctorates. He is very intelligent. Every day he posts very... Very intelligent, well-said, well-versed. But in the posting, in the friendship, I've learned that he lost a precious daughter at a very, very early age. 
Like me, he graduated from Simigod High School, the same he graduated six years or four years after I graduated. So we have the same Assembly God roots. We have the same theological beliefs and views. But he got hurt and he got wounded. There are many people in life today that feel like that God has let them down. And they would say, well, if God is a loving God, how can he allow this to happen? Or how can he allow that to happen? God is not a puppet master that controls every single thing that we say or do. In the garden, he gave clear instruction. I'll be here every evening to visit with you. Take care of the garden, but don't eat of this fruit. This fruit is poisonous. This fruit will kill you. I remember I'm trying to counsel with a guy that his addiction was huffing gas. And one day we were on a job and the church van was parked and I went to get some tools out of the church van. He got the gas cap open, he got the got the the tank open, got the gas cap, and he's in there and he's and he's huffing this gas and 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 I, I mean, it, it's flew all over me and I said, you know what? What is wrong with you? What what is what what is I mean, huffing gas? Hello. You have a friend in the house? I mean, how how stupid? How crazy can that be? Sometimes we do crazy things. And then we blame God for it. Well, if God hadn't have, or God hadn't have, and so mercy is something that we desperately need to let the nation know, the world know, that God is a God of mercy. God will allow you to make decisions, but God can always turn the bad into good. You may not see the good now, but there will be a season when you will see the good. So here's what, here's what Jeremiah went up to go down. And in the season of learning, he saw clay that was, that was like this dirt that I was compacting. He saw clay that was pliable, it was usable. It was in God's hands, it was in God's will, but something happened to the clay. So God picked up this broken piece of pottery and it reshapes it and makes it even a better vessel. I so much regret the decisions I made from the age of 18 to 24. I so much regret those. But those decisions that I made and those stupid things that I did, because I survived through the power of God, I now have a testimony that Charisma Magazine, August of 1998, put us on the cover. We now have a testimony that Daystar Joni has written a book called Surrender All. The third chapter of the book tells our story. And almost every day I'm telling somebody how God restored my marriage, delivered me from drugs. So what the enemy intended for evil, God has worked for his good and has turned it into a testimony. I hate, if, if, I'd, if I'd had it do all over, I would have done it different. But I didn't. But God takes that bad and turns it into good. Now if you go with me to 2 Timothy. And we're going to land this plane right here. We're going to land it right here. 2 and 19. What time is it? 10 over 12? Oh, we should have already landed it. Okay, let's, let's land it. 2 Timothy 2. Are you there? Maybe it's 1 Timothy 2.
What do you say, Pastor Rhonda? Maybe it's three. Maybe it's third, Tim third Timothy. Oh, here we go. How about that? Oh, it is. That is so scary to lose stuff that you just God just gave you. Here it is. Ready? Verse nineteen. I had two and nine, so it must be dyslexic. Oh, there's a there's a nine. There's a nineteen. Okay, two and nineteen. Nevertheless, the foundation of God. Standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. We shared a couple of weeks ago how God has marked you. There's a mark, a tall and a chi, a Hebrew and a Greek mark upon you that you belong to the Lord. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What's your point? Can I show the, the last picture of the, of the rock? After we, pretty big rock in it. I didn't really use that paintbrush, but I just, just had that for the picture. I actually used a, another tool that did that. After we, painted, after we painted the rock white, we put seven coats of different paints, different sealers, different, different enamels. This dealership wanted this rock to look like granite. We could have made it look like mountain stone. We could have made it look like lava. There's so many things that we could have done. But... Every time that we put a coat of paint on, we wet the entire rock down with water. And I thought about the washing of the Word of God, how powerful it is when we have the Word of God in our, in our life. But after we got, after we got everything, everything done, everything complete, the dealership could not wait to drive. Matter of fact, they actually parked this truck before we were really done with the rock. And I think about, when I think about the layers of paint of sealant, of water. I thought about just spiritual maturity. I just thought about growing up in the kingdom of God. Every time we come to church, say that with me, every time we come to church, we should learn something helpful. Say that. We, every time we come to the house of God, wherever we go, whatever we do, whether it's a tape or a television or a conference or revival or a Bible study, it's like, it's like, it's like getting suntan. Every time you're in the sun, you get a little darker. You get a little darker. You might get red. You might peel. But you know, there's, there's, there's something that happens if consistently you are in sunlight. You will change. Your persona will change. And that's all about growing up and maturing in the body of Christ. And here's the lesson. The lesson says that we are vessels and we choose to be vessels of honor. We, cho we choose that. But there is a transition of the type of vessel that you can be if you'll submit yourself, the things of God, the lessons of God, taking all the keys that God has given you, growing as God has called you to grow, trying to be sanctified that we talked about earlier. And here's the transition. He said there's four transitional vessels beginning with earth and then wood and then silver and then gold. Gold is the only vessel that's in the hands of the master. 
The articles of the tabernacle were solid gold. The containers the priests used, they were solid gold. Solid gold is where we're striving to pursue. Jo Job said it so well, I'm being tried, I'm being tested. Nevertheless, he knows the path that I take. And when he's done trying me, I shall come out as pure gold. Tanner, do you know how you produce pure gold? You take a pot of ore that has gold in it and you put it on a fire and you crank the fire and the elements in that ore begin to melt. And as it melts, you begin to stir it. And as you stir it, all of the all of the inconsistencies will float to the top. You scrape off all of the additive. You scrape off all the other ores. And eventually you get all that junk out that when you look and see solid gold, you know it's solid gold because you can see what? Your reflection. Your reflection. That, that gold is so pure, it's so fine. All the dross has been removed. All the junk has been removed. Well, let me tell you about dross. It's called life. It's called challenges. It's called problems. It's called pain. It's called frustrations. It's called setbacks. And that every day we go through some kind of challenge, some kind of, some, kind of, some kind of pain, some kind of trial, some kind of... It's rare that a day goes by, there's not some little skirmish. Am I talking to anybody in the building, whether it's financially, whether it's mentally, whether it's spiritually, whether it's physically, it seems like every day is a man that is born of a few days is full, is full, is full of trouble. That's what Job said. Every day of our life, there's things happening. But it's how we address the challenges and the problems that we go from out of the dust we were made. So we're containers of clay in the master's hand ready to be used. But when that master takes that clay and puts heat to it, it becomes sincere. They stamp sincere on the bottom of the pot. That means it's been heat tested. When you go from clay, then you realize that you are the trees of God's planting. Do I have anybody that would wave their branches at their creator and praise him with me in this house? For we are the trees of God's righteousness, the trees of God's planting. When we go from that foundation of truth of salvation, using the keys of prayer and worship, then all of a sudden we learn about the power of redemption. 30 pieces of silver purchased a slave and set them free. Aren't you glad that 30 pieces of silver was paid for Jesus Christ and we have been redeemed and we have been bought with the price and now we are vessels of silver that we represent redemption everywhere we go. Our whole life is redemption. And then as we step into that maturity and that ministry that God has called us into, we become pure gold. That is our goal. Look at someone and say, that is our goal. That's where we're headed. Put my rock back up there again. That's my rock. If you'll Google Mango Rock, that's the name of the company. But we're thinking about changing the name to Hank Mango Rock. <laughs> Robbie, that rock is for a purpose. Melissa is not just a show off. It's not just to look pretty. It's to hold something. It's to do something. Every single person in this house, without exception, you were created to do something. You're created to be special. You're created to go through that transition, become that vessel that God will hold in his hand and use for his glory and use for his honor. As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed.